I'm flesh and blood, but not human. I haven't been human for 200 years. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back with the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or are best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Uh, week, what are we, week four of this? Four. Three. 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 <laughs> Feels like it's been a while. It's been a journey, man. It's been an eternity. It's been uh, hundreds of years. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Mm. Covered a lot of ground in terms of years, I suppose. Covered a lot of ground in terms of years, in terms of just just vamp- vampirisms, you know? Yeah, really vampirisms. Getting, getting under the skin of what makes them tick. Yeah, and if you're new to the podcast, you've walked in halfway on our vampire miniseries, Bloodsuckers. I know where the bastard sleeps. What language are you speaking? This is the third. Oh, this is five. The third, yep, five. Did we? We have, yeah, we, we've we've uh, got the answer on fans' choice. Uh, Blade swept the whole competition, so Blade mm. it is. Cut through like a sharp katana through Stephen Dorff's neck. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. I mean, I knew it would be in the mix, but after all that, you know, unprompted mentioning of Near Dark, I thought, Oh, this seems like that's the... It did, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we will have to cover Near Dark because there is obviously a lot of love for it and I, I don't think either of us are too aware of it. No, I had, I'd never heard of it, but it seems to hit all my buttons. It's a, it's a Bigelow number, Catherine Bigelow yeah. number in the JC years, pre-JC, BCJC. Well, I don't know because it's a know. lot of crossover with JC casting. Oh, yeah, maybe. Uh, look, So maybe... What? We'll do that. We'll f- we'll find all this out for you, which you probably already know. But we will reiterate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll catch up and tell yeah. you what you already know about uh-huh. that film. We love to yeah. reiterate. It's important. It's an important <laughs> step of learning. Yeah. Hey, Tristan, you'd be pleased to know. Actually, there was a friend of the show who I can't remember who it was mentioned Hotel Transylvania. Oh yeah, as an option, especially with my kids being you know young. Yeah, yeah. So apologies, I can't remember your name, legend, friend of the show. But by pure coincidence and unprompted, my kids started watching that this week. Oh, uh, yeah. It's pretty in good, the, right? In the middle of uh, Bloodsuckers, which yeah. is kind of cool. So I was watching it today it's or yesterday and today. It's, it's on rotation now. Mm. Uh, it's great. How anyone hadn't thought to make Adam Sandler <laughs> Dracula before. And all his mates. He brings and his mates all his mates. Andy. The cast is it's a deep cast. It's pretty good. One of the deepest. Yeah, I don't mind it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's worth it. It's a bit of fun. So whether you, you just like those sort of things or you got some kids, give it a whirl. It stacks up. It holds up from 2014 or whatever. <laughs> Is that four of them? Good, well? wholesome fun. Yeah. Yeah. But we're to 94. Jeez, it's nice to leave 92 for a while. Oh. Yeah, 94, <laughs> the, year of, the year of Interview with the Vampire. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else happened that year, Greg? So, 94, um, you know, we, we go through our member berries, we, we discuss things from our past uh, that 
ignite emotions through memory. And one of the most <laughs> – stay, stay with me. One of the most poignant uh, drivers of memory other than music oh, yeah. and audio. Smell. Is smell, Tristan. Yeah. I think vampires like smelling things as well for sure. They do. They got yeah. heightened senses. Yeah. So now this member, Barry – is a little smell known as CK1. The only one. CK1. A fragrance for a man or a woman from Calvin Klein. <laughs> that was a big deal, wasn't it? Wasn't it just? Yeah. Um, I am, of course, talking about the wildly popular unisex fragrance, uh, mm. Calvin Klein 1, uh, which was launched in 1994. Tristan, were you a CK one man? Um, I I mean I never had it, but I wanted it. Yeah, okay. I was young. Did you fragrance in your teens? Were you a fragrance, sir? If links accelerate counts or acts for our international listeners, but yeah, uh, not really. And I never really have. I've never been a cologne man ever. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, Are you a cologne man? Um. Somewhat. I, so yeah. in my early years, and I'm talking like 12, 13, I had a lot of, um, or have, a lot of um, friends from backgrounds that typically enjoyed a fragrance. Yeah, yeah, same. So I had a bunch of Lebanese mates, um, Greek mates, and they were hitting some of the muskier, mustier smells. At, <laughs> muskier? Yeah, like the, the rich sandalwoods. Um, yeah. You know, when we were like finishing up primary school. So I had that influence going on. So yes, I was. Mm. And in the in my sort of mid-teens when this, you know, when CK1 came out, yeah, it was a big part of the game, you know, like in those sort of year yeah. 10 house parties, you had to have a fragrance. You had to. Yeah, yeah. I think I did at that point somewhere along the line, like I probably got something for Christmas, not CK1 necessarily. But I think it was also because I'm a couple of years younger. I think there was also an element of like trying to be a grown up that that was very appealing. Like yeah, getting a cool cologne to. Like, oh, absolutely! I'm a I'm quite a classy, mature ten year old. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The pol- polo sport was my probably my favorite. Yeah, that's a big that one. Was a, and that then there was, was like cool water or something. Cool David water, of cool water was huge. Yeah, Tommy by Tommy Hilfiger uh, was like yeah, man. Girls, <laughs> girls love Tommy. By Tom Hilfiger. <laughs> that was the that was the one. CK one was a, a an absolute staple. It had a really yeah. famous ad campaign, the black and white. Um, do you remember the ad? Yeah, I remember black and white. And was was um Kate Moss was, was Marky there. Mark I, think in Mark, those? I think Marky Mark was. I had a quick look. I couldn't quite see him there, but I feel like, let's say yes. And Mark Wahlberg, CK one. Okay, it's fruity. Its notes include pineapple, <laughs> mandarin orange, papaya. What is that? Is that cardamom and lemon? <laughs> so how do you want for me? Um, <laughs> yeah, I uh, I like the idea of having a signature fragrance that I, you know, oh, who's entered the room? That must be Tristan. I can smell mm. that. So we'll just bring out links again. <laughs> but I just, I don't know. I also don't really like smells. Interesting. Generally. Yeah, like candle, uh, walking through the fragrance section of the store, I hate it. But your house is heavily candled in a great way. Your house smells amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's okay. They're not. They're not bad. But walking into a candle store. Oof, oh yeah, too much no, for me. no. Oh man, yeah. of course. Okay, cool. Who likes a candle? It's it's burns. Uh, when the I had COVID, I lost my sense of smell when I had COVID, mm-hmm. and you know what? Totally fine with that. If I had to lose a sense, I mean that's probably not a hot take. I'll be okay with losing. Man, smell. I am the opposite. So I really, I've been teased from by my close mates that know me well. Will McMahon, if you're listening, shout out. I had a habit a lot of like if I was going to drink my coffee, I'd go like this. Oh, give interesting. A little, give it a little, a little sniff first because I like the smell of things. <laughs> well, I like the smell of nice things. I have a very heightened. I like sense the of smell, smell of Christmas trees. Oh yeah, that's a nice smell. smell. That's, that's a good a, smell. A, Maybe that could be my scent. That's well, that would bring Christmas cheer the whole year round. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Put some pino clean on my temples. Temples? No. On the what do you call the thing on your neck where you put cologne? Yeah. On my erogenous you're, you're zones. Like your um, glands. <laughs> oh my glands. What about when I came to New York recently and there's yeah. a, there's, I bought this? So there's this famous fragrance brand called Nalabo. Yeah. And it's hugely popular. I live popular. in the fragrance district, apparently. Yeah, yeah. They've got a they've got a flagship store just around the corner from from Tristan's place. And I had a quick sniff in the store, but like you mentioned earlier, being in a fragrance store, it's a bit overwhelming. There was about 10 or 12 types. I just went, okay, I'll try the, the, the most popular one because I knew it wasn't going to be very popular in Sydney. It's very popular in New York, right? Mm. I.e. it wouldn't be as common. And I bought it and it was, man, it wasn't cheap, especially with the currency the way it is. <laughs> Still not going to say how much it was because Carol will be listening and I don't want her to know. <laughs> And they engraved my name on the bottle and you got to, you can't open it for a couple of weeks or uh, something Ooh. like that. Anyway, I get it home, spray it. Carol's like, whoa, no, 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 What no. the fuck is that? That's a firm <laughs> no. So she's like, it's way too strong. So I tried the old um, Queer Eye tip where you just spray it and then walk into it. You walk into the mist. Have you seen that one? Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. Walk. So I did that yeah. and I did that with my hands. So, <laughs> uh, and... She's like, yeah, no, it's a still a no. Wow. Does she understand that 60% of the time it works every time? Well, it's a, it's 100% of the work time it don't work all the time. <laughs> Unlike CK1, which was a 60%. It's still selling, Tristan. CK1 still is worth, you know, about 30 mil worth of um, sales each year, which is damn. It's nothing to poke a stick at. Mm. Anyway. Uh, big year for fragrances, 1994. It was. Big year for movies too. Oh, yeah. Year of the Lion King, the year of Forrest Gump, the year of True Lies. We haven't done True Lies yet. Probably our last remaining heavy hitter, Arnold. It's a big one. So I'm I'm looking forward to doing that one day, but it'll also be kind of the end of an era for us in a lot of ways. Mm. Mm. Um, the Flintstones, The Mask, Speed, Dumb and Dumb. This is a really good year and it relatively year. untouched by the looks of things. Like how does... 1992, we've we've gone so deep. There's a few we've cleared out somewhat. Yeah, we've barely scratched the surface. 94. It was a big year for JCVD, box office wise. These were the t- the two peak box office numbers from him with Time Cop and Street Fighter. Mm. I think they got about 100 mil each. Still didn't make the top 10 though. Number 25 and 26, <laughs> respectively. Um, th- but there was a little film that came in at number nine. Okay. 1994. Okay. Uh, a film about an interview. An interview. With the vampire. Mm. 
interesting, provocative. Yeah, it's what the people want. Uh, came out in November 1994, budget of $60 million, gross box office of $223.7 million. It was the number nine movie globally that year, just to, just to reiterate that, mm. which is a big deal. It was the highest grossing vampire film, I think, until Twilight came along with their sparkly wow. boys. Wow. Wow. Yeah. They upped the hot boy. We, we see your Cruz and Pitt and we give you a Patterson and a Lotner. I got those names right. Yeah, you did. You did very. Uh, I don't know. Buttons. I feel like Maybe I get buttons. an astute just for getting their names right. It's very astute on your part. Thank you, Frank. Yeah, that's where I should have gone. Sorry, I'm very hungover today, people. You're doing great. I'm not as, you know, fast on the buttons as usual. <laughs> Too many dots to connect mentally. Um, hey, let's talk about Rotten Tomatoes. Critic score 64%, audience score 86%. Interesting. Wow. Critic consensus as follows. Despite lacking some of the book's subtler shadings and suffering from some clumsy casting, interesting interview with a vampire with a vampire the vampire okay this discredits the whole fucking statement with a vampire benefits from neil jordan's atmospheric direction and a surfeit of gothic thrills okay using words i don't know ah. getting the title wrong <laughs> yeah get over it mate i mean um, we're no experts well i don't even know where that lands like it just says a bunch of words we, we get the titles right normally normally eight times out of ten we're getting titles right Mm. Pronunciation of names, on the other hand, less so from me. You're all right with that. <laughs> I try harder though now, especially if you're it's like a, a non-white name because I don't want to be ignorant. You're a B minus. <laughs> I'm a B minus. I'd be like a B. Yeah. yeah, B plus perhaps. Maybe. Hey, was this a big movie for you, Greg? Nah, and I was trying to think why. And I think it just, it's the goth factor. I didn't like gothic yeah. things. I don't really still like gothic things that much. Yeah. I would never have been a goth. It's really not my vibe. And in 94. Same. I probably had a little bit of interest in Tom Cruise because he'd done Cocktail, that I, you know, that I loved. And, yeah. Uh, you know, other others. Um, yeah. Brad Pitt less so probably at that point. He came onto the scene more with 12 Monkeys and later Fight Club. Mm. But this current Brad Pitt, I think I'd seen California, but I was probably too young to really oh, understand yeah. what was going on. But I wasn't a Pittman at that stage, so there wasn't a lot of appeal and the goth factor would just draw a line through it. How about you? No. You're 10 but, well, at this point or 11, you know. Yeah, I'm 10 at this point. I vaguely remember conversation at like a family dinner party or something or like my mum had friends over or something. I don't mm. know. Like someone was talking about this movie I can't even remember what they were saying, but I just, it sounded like a big deal kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know if it was like, oh my God, Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise in the same movie. Or, mm. I don't know if they were just fans of the books. I don't know. But that always stuck with me as, I don't know, it's not of that much significance. But you know, some stuff just sticks with you. Um, I'd always been, I've been wanting to do this one for a while because I've always been curious about it. Mm-hmm. And I know you asked during the week if I'd seen this and I said no, but then I was watching it. We'll get into the rewatch later. But then I was watching it and I remembered lots of bits. So maybe I had seen it. Yeah. I don't know. But why would I forget it? I don't typically forget movies. I don't know. I don't know. But um, Maybe it was on in the background a few times. Yeah, potentially. I thought Kirsten Dunst won an Oscar for this. That did, that never happened. <laughs> Constantly Mandelering myself. Maybe I she just, did. <laughs> maybe No, she got nominated for a Golden Globe. But maybe I heard that as a kid and twisted it not really knowing the difference. You could have told me that before we did this and I would have believed you. 
Yeah, I believed myself. Well, why would you? That's the problem. Self-belief yeah. is very important. <laughs> it is true. You should believe in yourself. Mm. Um, but you should also believe in facts. <laughs> and, and that was no fact. <laughs> Touche. Uh, should I get into the origin story? Please do. Origin story. Are we in novella territory here? Well, it's not quite novella, but... There was a short story in its original, original, original version. Allow me to unpack. Yes, please. Uh, so this is based on a, on a book by Anne Rice called Interview with a Vampire. A.K.A. Howard. Her real first name is Howard. What do you mean? Really? Her parents named her Howard. That's so mean. Yeah, they were, um, I think her mum was pretty out there. Is the technical <laughs> term, and she was like, "Well, if well, the parents were like, well, we should give her a head start by giving her a man's name. That that'll give her a, the edge." If <laughs> that's like, you know, there are more CEOs named Michael than there are female CEOs. Lesson learned: I'm going to call my daughter Michael. It seems yeah, like that kind yeah. of logic. Yeah, <laughs> they went with Howard. <laughs> Sorry to interject. I just had to share that fact. I mean, it's interesting. There's some. It's it's fascinating. It is. She obviously chose um, to move on to, you know, and Anne. I think Anne's short for Howard in most cases. Let's not investigate <laughs> of that course. at all. Of course. <laughs> not that strange at all. Continue. Yes. So she she wrote a book called Interview with a Vampire, and she'd go on to write thirteen books in that series, which would be called collectively the Vampire Chronicles. Mm. Uh, but she wrote 13. this one in 1976. Thirteen, wow. yeah. I was surprised by that. I thought there might be like wow. three or something. I knew there, I knew it was a series, but yeah, I had no idea there were that many. It's like Harry Potter, because it went all the way until like the twenty teens. Yeah, um, it was her debut novel and started life as a thirty-page short story novella. Is that a novella? Well, maybe. Maybe. Is it only a novella if it's in a province of France or some bullshit? No, I think and it's got to be. If it's American, it's just a sparkling short story. I think it's like ninety to one hundred and eighty pages, in my mind. Oh yeah, so thirty is That's shorter. A short story, yeah. Um, yeah, she wrote that initial short version in nineteen sixty-eight. Isn't that crazy? Wow. And the the whole interview construct was the nugget of the idea. I was sitting one night in my office at home in Berkeley. I was completely unpublished and unknown. And it occurred to me, what if you could interview a vampire? What if you could get that vampire to sit down and tell you what being a vampire was like? What if he would tell you everything? What it was like to drink blood, whether or not he suffered a swoon when he drank blood, what it was like to be immortal. I just, I just decided it would be fun to do it. The existential. Yeah, yeah, the existential aspect. crisis of it all, yeah. And, and um, you know, really understanding the point of view from the vampire, which was a, which was a bit of a twist. Mm. Fresh thinking. Now, I mean, Anne Rice has had a very interesting life. I won't go into all of it, but she's had some, I mean, it started from being named Howard as a baby, but it got much darker. She had she had many health issues. She had OCD for a while. It was like quite hardcore, I think. She had diabetes that nearly killed her. She, she passed away in 2021 actually. But yeah, recently. They tried to take her a few times before that. Um, but she kept going. But tragically also in 1973 uh, she lost her daughter or she lost her daughter maybe a year before that. She was around six years old, lost her to leukemia. Oh, man. 
Yeah, pretty fucking hardcore. While she was still grieving, she breaks out the old interview with the vampire short story and starts building it out more. And people kind of speculate that the idea of Claudia might be a response to that grieving process for mm. her own daughter. Interesting. You know, perhaps, well, if I could bring her back to life, would that be a good thing? Almost like almost like Pet cemetery esque perhaps. I'm projecting here. There's no information on that. I'm just... I'm just exploring, man. Just exploring. That's what we do here. Yeah. But five weeks and 338 pages later, boom, novel. Impressive. Yeah. And not only that, the the rights, the film rights for this book were sold before the book was even officially published. So Paramount bought it in April of 1976. It's a catchy title. Yeah, it's a good name. Mm. It's a good name. I feel like that has a lot to do with it. And it lands the premise right away. It's a good elevator pitch. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot in a name. Like Howard. <laughs> it's true. Um, Keep going. <laughs> yeah, you might be thinking 1976, but this film didn't come out to 1994. Well, um, this this script kind of entered something we like to refer to as development hell. Oh, man. Quite some time. You could say it was in purgatory for a while, you know, this endless... Um, just bouncing around the streets of Hollywood, mm. you know, very much like the life of a vampire. Mm. Uh, but eventually mm. it landed in the hands of some Warner brothers and I don't know, by the, this point brothers I guess Warner? it's the 90s, the brothers Warner. By this point I guess we're in the 90s uh, and a director by the name of Neil Jordan has blown everybody's mind with a little film called The Crying Game. And he's hot property. The Warner Brothers have this hot script in their hand and they've got this hot director they've observed. They're like, bish, bash, bosh, let's get that guy to make this thing. Mm -hmm. So they hit him up. Uh, He's into it. I was sent a copy of the book by David Giffen just after I'd done The Crying Game. And of the script, Anne Rice's script. And I was flying to Paris and he asked me to read it on the way, which I did. And I was instantly intrigued. You know, totally. I'd heard about the, the the project for years because it had such a reputation. You know, they'd been trying to make it for about twenty years, I think, didn't they? And I'd spoken to various directors at different times who were talking about it, but I'd never read the book. But when I read the book, it was there was such atmosphere in it. That, you know, I could put it with a knife, and uh, I was about to do various other projects, and I kind of put them all on hold to do it. And Rice actually wrote the script for the film. He did a, a few rewrites, um, but all uncredited. It's all goes back to her. Um, and, yeah, man, they got $70 million budget, which was mm-hmm. the biggest ever for a vampire film at this point. I think Bram Stoker's was 40 mil. So, yeah, significant. I guess in the same way that, not from a budget point of view, but I guess you know how we're in the era now of elevated horror. I think with, like, 92 Dracula and this, it's it's this, what if we treated these campy things as deadly serious and... Uh, yeah, I kind of like that. And, and with that budget, you know, in his mind, he's like, fuck, I get to make a vampire movie with the epic scale of like a Gone with the Wind, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Pretty cool. Hadn't been done before. Big financier. What's his name? David Jeffen or David Geffen? Did you come across his name? No. He's billionaire style. He's still around. Fuck, I'd love to be an eccentric billionaire that just invests yeah. in films. He's that fuck. guy as, as far as I can tell. I'm sure we could do more digging on him, but he, yeah. yeah, he's bankrolling a lot of it. So he pumped, he liked it and pumped a bunch of this cash into it. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, hey, there's some good precasters here, Greg. Sure is. River Phoenix was cast as Malloy, 
the interviewer, the titular interviewer. Mm-hmm. RIP. He passed away four weeks before shooting. Uh-huh. Man. So Christian Slater stepped in and he donated all of his salary to Phoenix's favorite charities. Isn't that amazing? Including Earth Save and Earth Trust. Yeah, I had no idea about that. That's lovely. His entire, the entire salary. 250 grand. Entire salary. Yeah. That reminds me of, um, you ever see the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus? Is that what it was called? Heath Ledger's last role? I never saw it. And then he died in the middle of making that. And then his mates, Colin Farrell, Drew Law, someone else, all stepped in and played the same role, which worked in that movie because it was like a mm. different universes type of deal. And they gave all the salary to his daughter. That was Did nice, they? Wasn't it? Yeah. Wow. That's so nice. Hollywood is full of nice people. That's what they say. Wow. That's what they say. <laughs> um, speaking of nice people, um, Lestat, uh, originally Anne Rice was very anti-Tom Cruise mm, for this role. Yeah. She wanted some guy named Julian Sands who looks vaguely familiar and if you see pictures of him from the 90s, you can kind of get why she wanted him. Uh, but he wasn't famous enough. Studio wanted Cruise much to her disappointment. She also suggested uh, John Malkovich, Peter Waller. Yes. Robocop himself. And Jeremy Zion. Uh, <laughs> and at one point she even tried to get them to switch Brad Pitt and Cruise. Yeah. Uh, so she was like really tried everything. And, you know, she eventually, to her credit, admitted she was wrong and he was awesome in that movie. More on that later. But, yeah, she was very, very anti. Uh, also at one point, in, at one point in the in the development process, she was considering gender swapping Brad Pitt's role for mm. fear of Hollywood homophobia getting in the way of this thing getting made. And so, the the role of Louis was gonna be a female for a while. Yeah. And, and and Cher was was in mind for that one. And she actually wrote a song for the movie, but then once that gender swap never happened. <laughs> well, yeah, that would be better. That would be the right song. Because she, she wrote this song called Lovers Forever, which never ended up getting on the soundtrack because she didn't end up doing the movie. But then she did release a more like dance club remix of it uh, on her 2013 album, Close to the Truth. Blow. Do you want to hear it? Of course. It's a dumb song. <laughs> the, the crux of that. Net, net. <laughs> Although you know, it's it's quite a little. You know, I could imagine that going off in in you know certain types of clubs, which I could imagine if Lestat Palms, Lestat and Louis were still hanging out in 2013. I could see them, you yeah. know, getting down to that shit. Down, you in, know, all sparkly up in glitter uh-huh. and whatever the fuck under the disco ball. <laughs> yeah, in San Fran or Sydney. Yeah, exactly. And final precasty, Julia Stiles auditioned mm. for the role of Claudia, mm. uh, but she was considered too old. Too old. Ah, oh, classic, classic Hollywood. Yeah. Hey, um, just really quickly on that Hollywood homophobia bit. Oh yeah. I I, I was reading. I wanted to read a, uh, a detailed plot review, and I think I might have stumbled across the book instead of the film. Ah. Because when it's setting up the beginning, it says that he was um, 
he was the plantation master and his brother died, um, had a fall and died and that upset him versus losing his wife and child, which. Ah, interesting. So they did make him more hetero in the film perhaps. I believe that that's what I took out of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. I haven't read that but it makes sense if he was a brother and then why do they make it the wife and yeah. child, right? Yeah, it's almost like, don't worry, Hollywood, he had a wife. Yeah. He's only, <laughs> yeah. he's bi. That's cool. <laughs> it's a negotiation. Mm. Would you, would you, would you accept bi? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, Bish Bash Bosh, she goes self a movie, Rap Party of the Viper. Actually, I don't want to say Rap Party of the Viper Room because this was the year that that shit went down oh, with Paul yeah. River. Yeah, uh, Rap Party somewhere lovely. Rap Party at Bourbon Street. Yeah, Rap Party at Bourbon Street. Hey, let's play the trailer. Oh, what do you say we get started? So you want me to tell you the story of my life? I'll tell you my story. I'll tell you all of it. I'm flesh and blood, but not human. I haven't been human for 200 years. From the novel by Anne Rice. From Neil Jordan, the director of The Crying Game. I've come to answer your prayers. Life has no meaning anymore, does it? His name is Lestat. But what if I could give it back to you? Pluck out the pain and give you another life. One you could never imagine. I can see you lying on a bit of satin. (laughs) He chose one man. He gave him infinite power. Eternal life and a daughter who would be forever young. This is the only real Eva left. And then he took the light of day. You're a vampire who never knew what life was until it ran out in a red gush over your lips. Stand this any longer. You made us what we are, didn't you? If God kills indiscriminately, and so shall we. You like dying? You condemn me to hell! Monster. One happy family. Take her to we End her suffering and yours! But do not doubt! You are a killer! Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Stephen Ray, Antonio Banderas, Kirsten Dunst, and Christian Slater. Interview with the Vampire. Not a bad trailer. Not bad. Gothic-y. Yeah. I mean, doesn't quite get too far into plot. Mm. Um, I can do that. You can do that. All right. Yeah, shit. Take it away, Gregory. Well, over the past few weeks, Tristan, we've heard some of life's great lessons through Mm. the vehicle of the vampire. (laughs) And we don't stop here. Uh, So after a few hundred years as a vampire, Louis has landed in San Francisco living his best life, or not really. Um, But Mm. he's ready to tell his story to the world, his story of great pain, woe is me. Uh, so he 
seemingly tricks a Christian Slater reporter up to a emptyish sort of room and lays it all on the line. Mm. So, 200 years ago, Louis seemingly has it all. He's 24. He's the master of a large plantation. He has an abundance of riches, presumably, that he's inherited because he's 24. Mm. So he hasn't had to do much. He's got slaves. Uh, He's got a wife who he loves. She's pregnant with his daughter. There's Thandi Newton. She's there. She's like 23, I think. Mm. But tragically, his wife and daughter die in childbirth and understandably this has a big impact on young Louis and it kind of sends him off, you know, off the edge. He's cruising around drunk, Mm. wondering how he can... He just wants to die, Tristan. He he wants to join his wife and and daughter, drinking himself into oblivion. Uh, He catches the eye of one Lestat. Mm-hmm. Who is a swashbuckling local vampire? <laughs> um, now Lestat says, "I can turn you into a vampire if you want." He's like, "Yes, please." <laughs> uh, so he bites him, and look, I'd say there's probably instant regret um, for Brad, yeah. uh, for Brad, for Louis. Um, they're living out on the ranch. Louis's just not really taking to that vamp life. Um, it's, he's really struggling with the concept of being a vampire. He's very much stuck in purgatory. Am I alive? Am I dead? Am I evil? Am I pure evil? Um, so they're mincing around New Orleans. Lestat's dominating, by the way. He's living his best life. Louis being a little bitch <laughs> in the corner. Um, he's, he's not embracing that vamp life like at all. At all. Um, and it's all on the platter for him, literally. <laughs> You know, there are a couple of spunky vamps in their prime. And he's just <laughs> crying in the corner. Tristan, there's no pleasing some people. Yeah, it's like he, instead of being goth, he became emo. He went emo. Like, <laughs> this bloke wouldn't have even been happy when his wife was alive. You can just tell he's that kind of person. Always a problem Always. with this guy. Always. Like, he's, oh. you know, he's just had everything gifted to him, including eternal life. Oh me. And yeah. none of it makes him happy. <laughs> anyway, the plague is ripping through the joint, um, such is the style at the time. They stumble across a young mm. child clinging to her mother's plague-ridden corpse. Quite a hectic scene there. Um, mm. So Lestat has a nibble and they vampirise this child, um, which seemed a good idea at the time. And so the three of them are cruising around and Lestat feels like he's provided Louis with something to stop him whinging, like buying a puppy or, you know, yes, yes. Fix, a, fix a relationship baby. Um, <laughs> it's a similar sort of setup here. 30 years yeah. passes. Um, now, as you know, you don't really age as a vampire. So um, mm. Kirsten Dunst is the, obviously the one I'm talking about here. She's, mm. she's, you know, at this point I guess she's probably like 38 in sort of uh, years yeah. on the planet. But she's, you know, still looks like an eight-year-old. She's still a, a little weakling. So yeah. she starts to grapple with this. Um, am I going to stay this way? I'm going to be too weak to actually do anything. I can't kill anyone. I'm too weak. You guys did this to me, Ella Lestat. You did this to me. This isn't cool. She's really upset. Uh, Louis still upset with Lestat. They haven't, you know, he hasn't come to terms with what's doing. So left field, Kirsten Dunst kills Lestat. 
Yeah. Takes him out. It's pretty good. <laughs> so good. She tricks yeah. him into drinking the blood of these kids um, that she had poisoned and therefore the poison, uh, it's like drinking dead blood, I think is the expression. So he gets sick, yeah. weak, weakens enough, weakened enough for her to slit his throat. They dump him. Now this is the good bit, Tristan. They're down in New Orleans. You know what there is in New Orleans? Glades. Yeah. Where else would you want to dump a body if not the Glades? Man, there must be so many dead bodies in there. Well, according to my calculations. <laughs> so they've they've got rid of the stat, dumped him in the glades with the gators and such, uh, mm. and um, you know probably bumped into Mister Lombardo down there, <laughs> uh, <laughs> dumping a buddy also. Also dumping buddy. Oh hey, um, <laughs> and uh, he would have. They should have invited him. He would have embraced vampirism, Mister Lombardo. Yeah, he oh, absolutely oh. would. Oh my god. He has the- Prominent brow of a vampire. He does, and he was pretty much eating yeah. Denise Richards in that three-way from memory. <laughs> he, yeah, Remember he also the horniness of a vampire. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where is that's full Dracula horniness? Yeah, maybe Lestat's French for Lombardo. Who knows? We'll never know. Um, <laughs> okay, sorry, I digress. So they're planning to set sail to Europe, Tristan, because. Louis is fixated on the existential questions of what it means to be a vampire mm. and he's not getting answers out of Lestat. That was half the problem. They were just yeah. intellectually on different pages, you know? Yeah, yeah. Lestat was the North Pole and Louis was the South Pole. Yeah, Louis was a thinker, Lestat was a doer. Yeah, yeah. Louis was a victim, Lestat was a something else, the opposite. A boner. <laughs> Louis was a, a Louis, walking boner. Lestat was a dick, and uh, and Louis was a pussy. And dicks fuck pussies, <laughs> Tristan. <laughs> to quote, uh, but they also fuck assholes. Yeah, but assholes can shit all over dicks too. What is that? Is <laughs> that's so that whole thing from Team America? It's so astute, isn't it? It's so great. Yeah, it's a great, great little. Hopefully, thing. You know what we're talking anyway. about. Anyway. Uh, now this, I'm, this more, there's more to come. Hang in, hang in, folks. <laughs> so they want to go to Europe because that's where the cultured vamps are. I just want to, I just need to see Europe. I need to break up with you and see yeah. Europe. It's kind of the vibe. Do a gap here. year. Do a gap year because yeah. you know intellectually he's expanding. Kentucky tour. Correct. Yeah. Bus about. Um, <laughs> so they do that. They sail to Europe, the two of them. But before they do, the stat springs them and goes, hey. I'm not dead. I've been living off the vermin Ugh. down in the swamp lands there. You, ch- you cheeky rascals. <laughs> uh, and he, um, you know, they set him a light, kill him again. No biggie. Yeah. But they get to Europe, Tristan, and it, it doesn't go very well. It doesn't go very well. They meet some traditional vamps and they get wind that he'd killed Lestat because of the mind reading. They can see what he's done. And that there's a vampire mm. child. And they're like, bro. These are fundamental codes that you have broken of vampire yeah. law. And so they're not into it. So they bury him and they kill the little girl. It's pretty gnarly, to be honest. It was peak feels of this film. It was Fuck. Yeah. it was hitting pretty heavy at this point. Yeah. Now, Antonio is, the, uh, is taking a big liking to Louis. He plans to run off into the sunset with Louis, so getting rid of the girl probably helped that. But Louis's heartbroken. He's, re- he's going through it all again, man, just... Not that he was ever mm. really out of his depression, but he's probably reliving his wife and daughter. He's 
he's sadder than ever. Yeah. I feel he should have learned an instrument at this point. He's got so much time and so much tragic inspo. Can you imagine? Man, fuck. That's my main, that's one of my main notes is like one area of vampirism that I didn't consider that is highly appealing to me is just in the, in the infinite spectrum of time. You can become so good at all instruments. Exactly. I've got I've got more Man. on that later. Uh, okay, cool. Because, yeah, well, let's talk about it. So, yeah. Louis like, you know what, I actually don't want to follow you, Antonio, and learn all about vampirisms because I can take a look at it from this and I don't really want it. So, folks, I'll, I'll, I'll hold it there. There's lessons abundant in this, you know, be happy with what mm. you have, smell the roses, all that glitters isn't gold, care for what you wish for, the grass is greener. Don't drink from the dead. Don't drink from the dead, dead blood bad. <laughs> There's many. Yeah. I use all of those lessons. Yeah, that's the story of Interview with a Vampire. I won't tell the weird <laughs> Um I had talked for a lot there. So shall we – do you want to tell us how you felt about this film? Yeah. Um, I, think I, I think I said to you during the week, Greg, this, this film's uh, a bit of a grower rather than a shower. <laughs> it, it's, it took a while for me to like yeah. get get like, oh, wait, is this awesome? Like I was pretty, I had a really busy week at work. And so the, probably the first hour ish I was watching in really small fragments, which didn't help. Uh, but it, it just it was taking me a while to get into it. And then once Kirsten Dunst gets on the scene, man, mm. and like when she kills Lestat that time, it's just like a, whoa, what the fuck? And I think I even said to you like, damn it, I wish I, I kind of feel like I've, diminished the payoff of that by not really <clears throat> going all in, in on it yeah. up until that point. Yeah. Uh, but it still hit hard. And there's so many moments in this that hit fucking hard, mm. man. Mm. Like when they turn her in the first place, when she kills Lestat, when Lestat comes back, like you said, all of which like the makeup and everything looks sick. Like when he comes back and he's playing piano yeah, looking like a zombie, that's fucking yeah. cool, man. It's so cool. Um, Claudia getting executed when you said with her oh. proxy mum that's been a vampire for about eight seconds. Yeah. Like these are huge moments that that remind me of like, you know, those big epic unexpected moments in like Game of Thrones. It felt like that. Mm. Um I feel like we, we've done a lot of movies at this point and there weren't, there's not many movies that have like genuinely like oof, gut punch kind of moments like that. Mm. Yeah, she's the emotional heartbeat of the film, isn't she? Yeah, the film comes alive when she's there. Mm. She's so fucking good in it. She's so good. Which one of you did it? Which one of you did it? Which one of you made me the way I am? What you are? A vampire gone insane that pollutes its own bed. And if I cut my hair again? It will grow back again. But it wasn't always so. I had a mother once, and Louis, he had a wife. He was mortal, the same as she, and so was I. Claudia! You made us what we are, didn't you? Stop her, Louis. Did you do it to me? And yeah, I think overall... I really enjoy the the angle of this movie, the whole existential crisis mm-hmm. bit to it, mm-hmm. and I and I guess the um, yeah, being from the perspective of the vampires, like that struggle and the dysfunctional family drama <laughs> in that middle section is like really yeah. cool. <laughs> it's great. It's fascinating. Like they've they've got just all the right combos of characters to explore these different things. Yeah. Like, what if a girl became a vampire? She doesn't get to grow up. What could that look like? It just it has all these great ideas to explore, which is really cool. But yeah, like 
it it took a while to get there for me though. Yeah. And I kind of, I don't know if that's on me or if that's on the movie for being boring initially or if that's on me for, yeah, not paying enough attention <laughs> initially. But yeah, I don't know. How about you? I think, well, I had a similar experience. I was, I, mm. I it was getting my, like I watched it. I wasn't sort of second screening or anything. So it was getting my attention and I had the same experience. I was messaging you on the size like, this is yeah. pretty boring. Yeah. And it was quite sort of theatrical and gothic. It yeah. is. But um, before those, the character plights really landed, like in those early scenes, I was a bit like, oh, here we go. This is going to be a bit, bit naff. Um, yeah. But, yeah, excuse the puns that slip in. It does come to life when Claudia's plight is dialed up. Yeah. Because there's just a bit more emotion. Brad's, Brad Pitt's character is quite flat in this. Yeah. And when, which is interesting when you get the context of what was going on behind the screen. Yeah. But she's amazing in this. Um, Kirsten Dunst. Wow. Like the, for her to deal, she wasn't allowed to watch the movie apparently when it was done. <laughs> Fuck, really? And it's just, I mean, like she would have read the script a thousand times, but whatever. Maybe they didn't want the blood, her to see all the blood. But just the, the notion, like how old is she in this? Twelve? Eleven. Eleven. I think. She was like 10 when she auditioned. Just the notion of I a kid like dealing with those kind of themes and yeah, she, to, to perform the way she did, she had to understand what she was doing, you know, at, on some level. Yeah. Since I was so young, I could never really understand the pain Claudia was going through, so I had to do different things that would make it look like, you know, I knew what I was, I mean, I knew what I was saying to a certain extent, but I could never imagine, you know, what she was really going through. And she just nails it, man. She's so good. I have a whole new level of respect for her. I think it's the greatest child acting ever. <laughs> Pro- I think it's the best ever. Because yeah, I hadn't thought of it, that. But it I, works on a few levels because up there was short round. She's just oh uh, yeah, yeah. That's true too. But that's a different kind it of thing. Because also, different. you know, I think I've I think I've said the same thing with Macaulay Culkin in Home Alone. But that's like it's a lot hammier and. You know, and I think sometimes I think we've talked about this too, where there's that weird thing when child actors they kind of try and act like an adult, like the kids in Modern Family. You know, they were so like they're just adults, and it's weird. Um, but then in this one, it's weird because she kind of does become an adult, and so there's so many layers to yeah, her performance. Yeah. Like on the one hand, she is a kid initially, but then I guess she's a 38 year old kid. But then I guess because she doesn't age while she's got the life experience of a 38-year-old, I guess she still has the brain of a child, which isn't at full maturity. So she still has all like the irrational and, you know, yeah, all those chemicals bounced around there, making her a little bit all over the place. But, man, she's so good, yeah. so good. And Tom Cruise I was pretty blown away by too. He's great. I didn't really have any expectation there. He's so fucking good, like fucking he just, great. It's, he's exactly, well, I haven't read the book. and I'm So unhinged. Author, but he's. I assume he's hitting the notes that he's meant to for that character. Well, exactly. So Anne Rice did write the book and she agrees. So she said yeah. um, uh, the, the fact that Tom did make Lestat work was something I could not see in my crystal ball. To his credit, that he proved me wrong. And she, she told him that. She's like, I'm sorry, I was wrong, yada, yada, yada. He was so fucking good. This boy, there's life, these old hands still. Not quite furioso. Moderato. Potable, perhaps. How could you be? Ask the alligator. 
blood helped. Then on the diet of the blood of snakes, toads, and all the putrid life of the Mississippi, slowly, the stat became something like himself again. Claudia, you've been a very There is some weird chemistry there between all of them. Like they're kind of like a couple and kind of hate each other. Mm. It's so, it's really interesting dynamic. And then his whole evolution because, yeah, he dies and then comes back and then dies and then, and all the visuals around that were sick. You know, when he died the first time um, and they, his face looks a little funky as he's dying, that was a robot. Yeah. <laughs> so Stan Winston and the boys were doing all that shit. The effects in this are so nice because they don't look too effecty. Like they're just kind of there mm. to serve the scene, but they're not like, yeah, over the top or anything. They're just kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. Brad Pitt, on the other hand, though, I kind of thought he sucked. Yeah. Yeah. So for the role, it was interesting because he, if you think about his, well, his roles in general, especially to this point, because he'd done California. Fournia. Yeah. And Thelma Louise and he does his sort of, you know, unhinged psycho sort of unstable sort of yeah. guy. And then this is very flat. So flat. And my understanding. I know it's kind of the point, well, but apparently it's, the there's point, still a way to do it. Apparently it wasn't the point. And the point of the character in the book, in the original scripts, was that existential piece playing out a lot more, that existential search and questioning around morality and all those themes. Yeah. Immortality, etc. That that came through the character a lot more apparently, whereas when they brought in Tom Cruise for Lestat, the focus was very much on his tap dancing. Yeah. And Brad Pitt just became this kind of melancholic blob. Yeah. There wasn't really, there wasn't as, you know, his search for answers was in the plot, but it wasn't, his character didn't come through that way. As this, you know, yeah. questioning. Just, just moping yeah, around. Just mo- like, yeah, he's just moping around and he's definitely in Tom Cruise's shadow in this film. So he wanted to buy himself out. He didn't want to do it. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, I think he was having a shit time overall too with all the makeup and stuff. He was just like this. Sucks. It was cold and they were filming, you know, I think it was in London. So it was like. Maybe he knew he was being shit too. It's just like yeah. made a huge mistake. And so he's like, oh, this is a big mistake. They, and David Geffen, who I've since Googled, he's, yeah, he's worth like 10 bill. He's. Probably, yeah. He's probably the richest film man in entertainment. Um, but Damn. we never heard of him because that's us. Because mm. um, he's that rich. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those He's ones. got a good wiki. Um, he sold um, Jeff Bezos that, you know, that crazy $165 million house that he has? Have you seen that? Oh, wow. No. He sold him that. Anyway, um, I digress again. Uh, mm. So, yeah, he tried to get uh, uh, David Jeffen, Geffen, I'm saying it wrong, one of those mm. ways. Apologies. Um, B minus. Um, he yeah. <laughs> he said, "Yeah, you can. It's forty million. Yeah, he's like, all right, I'll it's hang so around. Funny. I decided I'm staying. But it did. I mean, it was still ultimately good for him because I think it helped him blow up more. Because to your point, he wasn't that big yet. Yeah. I think it was a heartthrob. He was but always he gonna, like, it was on the on the trajectory. Yeah. It wasn't the worst. Yeah, for him to be melancholy, moping around." 
it it wasn't the worst overall. Like it kind of yeah. you just go, okay, he's just his character's a little bitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I just I'm quite a fan of his. Like I like Brad Pitt. So I think I just probably expected more. Mm, yeah. But he was just kind of he just was there. Yeah. But which is okay in the context when you've got the other two. Yeah. You didn't need another, you know, traditional Brad Pitt. I'm wiggling my head around. You know what also probably held him back is because he was a vampire, he didn't get to eat anything. You know, that's like one oh, of the, he's always yeah. eating on camera. Oh, well, he could have yeah. been eating people, but he ate a rat. It's very astute on your part. I did eat a rat. Yeah, yeah. it is very astute. Yeah. Astute. <laughs> yeah. And I was also thinking like- Malnourished Brad Pitt. I, I do remember thinking at the time, I think I mentioned, I don't know if this was the general pop cultural- Vibe, but it did seem like a big deal that these two were doing a movie together, Brad Pitt and Tom Tom Cruise. Like, yeah, these two hot boys, pinup boys. Yeah, but then I thought it was weird that they never worked together again. Oh. And I did some googling around that because I feel like there must be something that went down, and I couldn't find anything concrete. But I did find there does seem to be some rivalry there. I did find some quotes from Brad Pitt talking about it. He says with regard to Tom Cruise. He bugged me. There came a point during filming where I started really resenting him. He's North Pole, I'm South. That's where I got that from earlier. Uh, he's always coming at you with a handshake, mimics aggressive handshake, whereas I may bump into you. I don't really understand that quote, but I think he's just saying he's intense. Yeah, I could see that. And Tom Cruise's career was and position was so much more established at, in Hollywood. So yeah. he probably would have just been calling shots and just drowning out his character and Brad Pitt probably massively resented that. Would be a yeah, good point. One possible scenario. Yeah, and you combine all that other stuff we just talked about, how he was having a shit time anyway. Yeah, he's probably showing up to set every day, moping around, and Tom Cruise is like, you know, finger finger guns at everyone, having a great time. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's make a movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he's pumped. So it's interesting, and like, not that you know, I'm not. I don't think I'm. Spilling any tea here by any means because those quotes, <laughs> who the fuck knows? <laughs> I don't know. Is I love a, it. I don't know. I'm going to use it. I don't know if I'm spilling any tea here, people. I, uh, <laughs> I don't know if I'm using that correctly. Um, but I love it. I, I don't know. I, fa- I found some out of context quotes. I don't know. But I do think it's pretty fascinating. They worked together nearly 30 years ago and never again. Yeah. And as if Tom Cruise couldn't have popped up in um, like a Oceans film, for example. Yeah. So there's obviously a deliberate choice made there uh-huh. on one of their parts. Just for two sure. big alpha dogs not wanting to go any yeah. piss on each other's trees or some spill each other's teas and such. Yeah. It is interesting to think about their career trajectories now because Tom Cruise has kind of gone all in on the action stuntman type of deal. And Pitt's doing a little bit more, I mean, I wouldn't say art house, but he's definitely going a bit more like working with auteurs, you know, and Tarantino and that new movie Babylon. Well, I guess also fucking Bullet Train. That's not all that arty. It's pretty fun though. But yeah, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's interesting. They're both kind of elder statesman-esque at this point in their careers, which is. It's, maybe it's like a Sly and Arnie. That's what I was thinking, yeah, yeah. Although there's always seemed like a friendly rivalry, mm. like all a bit tongue in cheek, whereas this seems like they might actually just hate each other. <laughs> mm. um, I was looking into the books as well, Greg, because there's fucking 13 of them. Let me read out some of the titles here. Yeah. 
Oh, and I forgot to mention, I did see, I forgot to say this in my, 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 you know, memories of this film. I saw the sequel, Queen of the Damned. Yeah. Remember that, oh, that movie cool. came out? I, I've never seen it and I wanted to watch it before this, um, but I did not. I was at the right age when that came out because it was Aaliyah. That was the main driver. Uh, uh, R.I.P. Yeah. But on that note, so the first book, Interview with the Vampire, 1976. 1985, The Vampire Lestat comes out. Uh, 1988, Queen of the Damned. Mm-hmm. I'll just read out the rest. Uh, Tale of the Body Thief, Mem, <laughs> Memnotch the Devil, The Vampire Armand, Merrick, Blood and Gold, Blackwood Farm, Blood Canticle, Prince Lestat, Prince Lestat in the Realms of Atlantis, <laughs> mm. Blood Communion, A Tale of Prince Lestat, and that was 2018. So these things are coming all the way up. I've got like a um, on the Wikipedia page it has like a real you know, one-liner synopsis of each of these. So like Vampire Lestat, I think you'll like this. Uh, and it sounds, in reading these, it sounds like the Queen of the Damned movie draws on both the book The Vampire Lestat and Queen of the Damned. So basically Vampire Lestat, this book chronicles Lestat's own origins as he resurfaces in the modern world and attempts to find meaning by exposing himself to humanity in the guise of a rock star, which is what happens in the movie Queen of the Damned as well. So he, oh. Lestat, modern age becomes a rock star. <laughs> it's pretty fun. That is very interesting. Yeah. Uh, Queen of the Damned, Lestat has awakened Akasha, the first of all vampires who perhaps looks like Aaliyah. Um, in her thousands of years of immobility, she contrived an ideal, idealised way to achieve world peace by killing almost all males and destroying all other vampires. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fast forward to Memnock the Devil. Lestat meets the devil who calls himself Memnock. He takes Lestat on a whirlwind tour of heaven and hell. Like all this stuff sounds fun. I'm totally dead. I'm kind of curious about reading these. There is a TV show now, um, Interview with the Vampire, which I thought looked shitty, but I, I looked it up today and it's got 99% run Tomatoes, so maybe it's really good. Mm. I'm curious as to whether they're – it's called Interview with the Vampire, so I'm curious whether they're going to go through yeah. all of those – Stories or not? It feels like a good opportunity. Yeah, I'd love to. Even this, I mean, I know all the streamers do this now. They'll take like a movie and turn it into a 10-episode series. But I do. this stuff is so dense that like imagine the the shock when Claudia kills Lestat if you're, you know, on episode six of a 10-episode thing. Like, Still waiting yeah, for those White Walkers. Hard. Yeah. Now apparently Anne Rice... So she was. She grew up Catholic, and then she went atheist. And it's interesting because I think a lot of these books are her exploring a lot of her own personal existential questions. Uh, but then she became like a born again Catholic later on, oh. and she started writing these Christian novels. And then I think, unless I'm getting some of the details wrong here, it sounds like she wanted to write one more, which again mirroring her own journey would be Lestat with some sort of redemption arc coming to groups with God and himself and all that kind of yep. shit, uh, which could have been interesting. But I guess, you know, that, that last one I mentioned was 2018. She passed away in 2021. So I guess she just never got to it. Couldn't find much on that. Yeah. Would have been interesting though. Definitely. I do like also that these books, I always thought of them as being, you know, young adult novels like Twilight, but they're pretty, they're not... They're not dumb. They're not like just teeny bopper bullshit stories. That's pretty hardcore shit going on in there. Yeah. In this movie, for instance. Yeah. As much as anything. 
It's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty respect. Cool. Respect. Put respect on her name, Howard. Yeah, put it on <laughs> Howard Rice. We should touch on the law that's mm-hmm. represented in this film, mm-hmm. vampire law. Mm-hmm. This one's pretty different, man. There's, there's a few key differences here. Um, I really liked early on when you see Brad Pitt turn that the show's how he now sees the world differently, like statue coming alive and some of that shit. Mm. That, w- that was pretty cool. Yep. I hadn't seen that before. That was interesting. Uh, but like there, acid. There's also a lot of classic things missing though. There's no holy water, crucifixes, garlic, steaks. None of those things are in steaks. here. Steaks. The, um, I mean the light. <laughs> the light was there, yeah. The light got him, oh, that was hectic, that scene. Got him good, man. It looked like Pompeii oh, victims. And she died like the way she was embracing her, you know, maternal figure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. Whew, yeah. Um, yeah, light. Yeah. Uh, and I did read up in just the broader lore of the books as well uh, because, you know, you'll notice when I mentioned that other book that they're talking about the, the first vampire who was in Egypt. So this is not a Dracula-descended ah, race of vampires. Yes. Yeah, they they come from Egypt, mm. and their origin was Cleopatra connected to spirits that existed before Earth. Yeah, there's some witchy stuff in there too. I couldn't go that deep in it; it's a whole thing. But different. Mm. Um, can't drink the blood of the dead. That was an interesting one. I, I got to assume that must that sounds like it should be a consistent thing. Maybe that's something that is. Well, it's like us drinking the there. water from the tap at, in Bali, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> the Bali belly. <laughs> You get Bali vampire belly. version. Oh, no, the vampy belly. Vampire version of Bali belly. No good. Yeah. Um, sunlight kills them. What else? Oh, I do also just like that overall these vampires are very much into the arts. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I do like that too. Um, potentially a segue there if I could. Yes. Um, and it, so at the very at the at the outset of this film. Um, when Christian Slater thinks he's just interviewing someone that looks interesting, yeah, and he says, "What? Let's start the interview. What do you do?" And he says, "I'm a vampire." And it got me thinking. Tristan is is a vampire a vocation? Uh, you know, are you not a rock star that is a vampire? Is it not? Is it a race? Is it like a way of life? Yeah. Because if you're, especially if you're going to be around for a couple of hundred years, surely you need to broaden, and maybe Louis was just bored, not really, there was more to it than that, but surely mm. if you're a vampire for a couple of hundred years, you know, even even Bram's guy had his property portfolio, you're going to want to, yeah. you're going to want to be doing something with your long life, right? <laughs> Besides, like eating yeah. people is just a means of sustenance at some point. Yeah. Surely you want to learn a skill that, you know, they're into the arts. Think of all the instruments, like you said at the outset. You could play all of them. So, wait, what you're saying is, really, it's, I think it's a very astute point, very first of all. There's the two things there. The first thing I think, to your point, is being a vampire an occupation? Is it, you know, to use, I guess, modern meme language, does it, is he latching onto it like it's a personality trait? You know, at the end of the day, it just means he drinks blood. Mm. Uh, and so it's kind of the equivalent of saying, hey, what do you do? And they go, I'm vegan. It's yeah. Like, mate, mate. Yeah, I, I get But then the vampire, second point there. I, I, what do you do? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about yourself. That's not, that's not a, it's not, 
I don't care what you eat. Mm. But no, good point. Uh, uh, what you're building to there is, yeah, learning the music and, sit, and, and such. Wonderful. Wonderful opportunity. Mm. And that's why, and I didn't know that Rockstar thing, that's yeah. a great build and I wonder if she had a similar thought at some point when she explored yeah. deeply um, the lives of vampires. Because, you know, you got to do something with your time, Tristan. Yeah. Podcast. You could be, yeah. <laughs> no, you could develop actual skills, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Talk about other people's skills. <laughs> I did also love, speaking of the, the learning and musical instrument stuff, the the dark comedy of her, like, eating her piano teacher. Yeah, yeah. I had a bit of fun along the way. <laughs> that's like, Claudia, what have you done? <laughs> and then just kind of, like, pushes him off the chair. <laughs> It was great. Yeah. Uh, sitcom yeah. cut coming. <laughs> Adam's family-ish. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. <gasps> oh, I've got to make that video now. That'll be great. Thank you for being my friend. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, sorry. I'm going quiet there because I'm just thinking of from the piano. video ideas. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of laughing so you can... Yeah, oh, please yeah. do it, man. Please find time. Uh, Quit your job. I was thinking um, I really I really like making those sitcom oh, cuts of so things. Good. Maybe I should just make the YouTube channel entirely like will it sitcom and it's like we find movies and decide if it could work as a yeah. sitcom. Just yeah, like niche that. in. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> um, only other point I really had was just um, – the whole gay thing is interesting, mm. just generally speaking. No, um, in the <laughs> film, like I thought, <laughs> going into it, I thought, oh, there's gonna be, there's gonna be like some gay subtext here, but it's not really subtext. It's just the text. Like he's, they're gay, right? Yeah, I mean, and it was, it was kind of cool that they were like it didn't have to be. I think a lot of movies from that era often it's like they're not explicitly gay, but. There's some signals in there that gives you something, but they're like pretty. Gay. Yeah, I've, they're basically like a married couple. Yeah, yeah. I think they could have. I think if it was made today. They'd probably be a little gayer. They'll definitely be more gay. Yeah, but it's kind of impressive. Even yeah, for ninety four, that's that's pretty gay for ninety four. It's very gay for ninety four. Good on them. To your point, they did soften it a little bit yeah. with giving him a backstory where he was married to a woman. Mm. But you know, there's other movies like Studio Fifty Four. When did that come out? Later than this which was extremely gay and they cut all that out and made it super straight. So there's like a gay cut out there somewhere that apparently is really good. But so, yeah, you know, Hollywood does that. Yeah. But this kind of came through unscathed, undegayed too much. So that's, that's definitely an interesting point for the era. Definitely. Um, if, you can't, if you can't do, if you can't make a vampire movie gay, what can you? Yeah, yeah. After all, I guess it's just yet another instrument to learn in your <laughs> infinite years of earth. <laughs> the banjo string. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> verdict. Verdict. Let's get to the verdict. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that.
Big picture wise, is there anything that fundamentally breaks in current day? I think to that last point, not really. I think there is there are moments that get a little close to icky with with Kirsten Dunst, but it doesn't really. Mm. It's uncomfortable, but I guess it's meant to be uncomfortable. But it's not. It doesn't. Doesn't really cross no, any lines. No, the paternal. It is more of a mat- paternal. The paternal thing, narrative yeah. overrides it. But there is a point where you're like, "Where's this going?" And then, it- yeah, at first it's a little. Wait a second. Yeah. But yeah, I think they do a good job of making it more of a paternal thing. Yeah. Uh, FX test. I think it's a it's a big yeah, yes for, for me. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And I wasn't even expecting that. You know, again, I don't know if I saw this before or not, but I was not expecting Zombie Lestat at all. And it Zombie Lestat, like. Yeah, hats off. Yeah, and and Claudia and her mother Ash's statue thing that was practical, and the crumbling of it was all practical. Um, very impressive. I just realised I didn't bag the ending yet. I didn't like the ending, man. Oh yeah, the song. I didn't maybe mind it, was the song. it. I didn't like the song. It just I didn't like, like the song. Why, I had that too. Why drop in Rolling Stones? Sympathy for the Devil. It's so on the nose too, and it's a cover of it, which sounds shitter. Yeah, and it's like it didn't need it. Yeah, it really. I don't know. Cheap. You could have had things a bit for me. It felt funny. Yeah. I kind of like what I. I understand what they were trying to do, which I don't think is a bad idea. But execution of it felt weird. It's almost like I was expecting him to break the fourth wall at the same time. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Like maybe you do just more of an instrumental cover of "Sympathy for the Devil" or something, I or I don't know, just something. Work for me. I didn't mind him eating Christian Slater. I thought, yeah, oh, cool. yeah, and that's a nice little. Because then the story yeah, doesn't but, get out. Yeah, I agree. That. This song. I don't know if that was the whole point. Yeah. The whole point, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Bechdel test, not really. Um, no. No, it's a no. Race Bechdel, even less so. Yeah. Um, unless you consider vampires a race. White vampires, though. Um, cultural relevancy test did. Simpsons do it. I don't think so. There may have been some subtle mm. things over the years, but when I Google it, nothing comes up and nothing comes to mind. Uh, porn parody, many. Interview with the Vamp was one I saw. Oh, yeah. um, it's the kind of thing when I saw it, when I say I saw it. I didn't watch it, Greg. I Google image these things. Um, yeah, I don't know. Overall, yeah, this, this movie won me over eventually. Mm. I guess not an all-time favorite of for me or anything but it was it was a good ride that middle section especially yeah. and we didn't even talk about Brad Pitt killing all those vampires later that was pretty hectic oh too. yeah the sickle it was yeah that, that was, was, that was pretty sick there was some there's some good stuff in yeah. there it's a rewatch for me yeah how about you same um yeah slow start I thought I wasn't going to enjoy it at all and then it got good and it hit me in the feels that you know the, the yeah. Kirsten Dunst performance is proper Chef's kiss, legit, good. Yeah, she's my MVP. Yep, definitely. With Lestat, not too far behind. Yeah. Recasties, I only had one, which I already told you oh, about. I didn't do them. What was yours again? Martin Short and Steve Martin. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> and Selena Gomez is. Uh, oh, yeah. There you go. Studio. That works. Yeah. yeah. That'll be fun. Love it. Uh, well, another week down and now Bloodsuckers miniseries. Next week, we're doing um, Lost Boys. Lost Boys next week. The hotly one. anticipated one from Friends of the Show. They've been asking for this for years. I, I, man, I feel like we've done it. I must have watched it since we've started the pod because. Yeah. I've got some movies like that. I thought, I thought we did. Um, were we going to do it and then we I thought we did Boys or? in the Hood. 
<laughs> but I think yeah. I watched it and then listened to a blank check episode on it. Yeah. Um, so I'm getting my own memories mixed up with another podcast now. It happens. <laughs> we're on. We're on even even standing with them, you know. So. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. In every sense. Um, In every sense. <laughs> every sense. The yeah. There's yeah. Lost Boys next week. Pumped for that. Very pumped. Oh, maybe I'll watch it tonight. Oh. <gasps> there you go. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, enjoy your Super Bowl. Oh, no, it's right. Super Bowl is yesterday if you're listening to this now. Oh, yeah. If you listen to this on Monday. It's tomorrow here. Well, tomorrow there as well. Uh, yeah. And there's a big <laughs> UFC card on that I'm going to hang up and start watching, cook some wings up. Ah, oh, nice. Um, it is is an Aussie fighting for what will effectively be a two-weight class belt ownership. He's a featherweight. Alex oh. Volkanovsky, absolute legend. He's fighting Islam Mashkaev. It's a huge fight, Tristan. It's huge. If he, can, if he can pull this off, it's like all-time Aussie achievement in sport. You know, really? Type converse. It's huge, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. It's a big deal. Nice. And then Super Bowl's tomorrow and I've got to work and I've got meetings all morning, which is a bit lame. Oh, yeah, because it's Monday, and, yeah. And there's an Aussie in that as well, Jordan Mailata, offensive tackle. Oh. Um, for the Philly Eagles. I love when there's an Aussie in there. It gives you a bit more skin in the game. Mate, he's one of those great stories. He was like um, a rugby league player. Oh, yeah. Got a sort of like just sort of made it into a training squad for the Rabbitohs after playing junior rugby with um, the dogs and then was sort of on the cusp and they're like, mate, you're a bit big. You need to find a huh. – maybe you should find a sport that's more for your size. And then he got on this scout program thing and the rest is history. He's now one of Australia's highest paid athletes and he's a big part of the success of that team. Damn. So if you're an Aussie, you should be cheering for the Philly Eagles tomorrow. Mm. Well, I guess I am. There you go. <clears throat> Have fun. Have you got plans? Yeah, I'm Australian, not to. Uh, yeah, go to a friend's house. Yeah. Eat some wings. Eat some wings. Yeah, we're ordering dinosaur barbecue. I think we're getting wings and cheesesteaks. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, man, yeah. enjoy. Yeah, be nice. All right, bro. Enjoy your weekend. Everyone enjoy the sports and vampire films. Yeah. Bye. See you soon. See you soon. With this movie, you were in three different countries. Now, which country, which film sets had the best uh, best chow? Actually, Paris did. Paris every night. Well, my mom was kind of happy with the food, too, because they had, everyone was happy. They had wine and everything for the adults. And there was, like, pasta every night, and they had desserts and bread. And you actually sit down in this van, but it, it wasn't like a van. It was like a little restaurant that you travel around in. And there was tons of tables and there was all this stuff laying out. It was just like the most, I don't know, it was really cool. It was just, and they, it was, it was like being at a restaurant.